Greetings, everyone. Today we're going to be reading Mark chapter 10. Then Jesus left Capernaum and went southward to the region of Judea and into the area east of the Jordan River. As always, there were the crowds, and as usual, he taught them. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you, Father, that you teach us. Lord, we are seeking you, Lord, just as the crowds did then. We're after you, Lord God. We are calling on your name. We are believing in you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that the, there are rivers of life flowing through us, Lord, as we seek you, look for you, and love you, and continue to rejoice in you. Thank you for today's reading. Bring it home to us. Bring it home to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Some Pharisees came and tried to trap him with this question. Should a man be allowed to divorce his wife? What did Moses say about divorce? Jesus asked them. Well, he permitted it, they replied. He said, a man merely has to write his wife an official letter of divorce and send her away. But Jesus responded, he wrote those instructions only as a concession of your hearted wickedness. But God's plan was seen from the beginning of creation, for he made them male and female. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one, since they are no longer two but one. Let no one separate them, for God has joined them together. Later, when he was alone with his disciples in the house, they brought up the subject again. He told them, Whoever divorces his wife and marries someone else commits adultery against her. And if a woman divorces her husband and remarries, she commits adultery. One day, some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could touch them and bless them. But the disciples told them not to bother him. But when Jesus saw that what was happening, he was very displeased with his disciples. He said to them, let the children come to me. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I assure you, anyone who doesn't have their kind of fate will never get into the kingdom of God. Then he took the children into his arms and placed his hands on their heads, and he blessed them. Let's note. The Pharisees were not looking for guidance when they asked Jesus about divorce. They were only looking for a way to discredit him. Jesus offered no grounds for divorce with the possible exception of infidelity. In our society, many believe divorce to be a good way to deal with conflict. Most of us have discovered, however, that interpersonal conflict follows us wherever we go because it is only an evidence of much deeper problems. <clears throat> Marriage is not always easy, neither is spiritual growth, but both can be of great help to each other. Marriage gives us a context of accountability and loving support necessary to help us through the process of spiritual growth. As we grow spiritually, seeking God and surrendering to Him, He gives us the help we need for personal growth and for reestablishing our family and marriage relationships. Amen. <clears throat> now, these verses coming up, Jesus blessed the little children. These verses contrast two kinds of people, those who are like the little children who came to Jesus with innocent trust and those who are like the wealthy young Jesus. The only way we can enter the kingdom of God is through childlike trust. 
As long as we think we can make it on our own, we will fail. We must begin by assuming that we are just like the little children. Then we must put our lives into the hands of God. We must not trust in our own abilities or wealth. Only God can give us interest into his kingdom. And now the reading for the rich man. Verse 17. As he was starting out on a trip, a man came running up to Jesus, knelt down and asked, Good teacher, what should I do to get eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked, Only God is truly good. But as for your question, you know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not testify falsely, do not cheat, honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man replied, I obeyed all these commandments since I was a child. Jesus felt genuine love for this man as he looked at him. You lack only one thing, he told him. Go and sell all you have and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell, and he was, went away sadly because he had many possessions. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for rich people to get into the kingdom of God. This amazed them, but Jesus said again, Dear children, it is very hard to get into the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved, they asked. Jesus looked at them intently and said, Humanly speaking, it is impossible, but not with God. Everything is possible with God. Then Peter began to mention all that he and the other disciples had left behind. We've given up everything to follow you, he said. And Jesus replied, I assure you that everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or mothers or fathers or children or property for my sake and for the good news, will receive now in return a hundred times over houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and property with persecutions. And in the world to come, they will have eternal life. But many who seem to be important now will be the least important then, and those who are considered least here will be the greatest then. Jesus again predicts his death. Amen. Okay, well, let's talk about this, what I just read. Most people in Jesus' day believed that wealth was a reward from God for being good. Thus, the wealthy usually enjoyed a measure of prestige. Jesus amazed his audience by showing how very difficult it was for the rich to, to enter God's kingdom. Sometimes wealth and achievements can bind us to our need for God. Whenever we see this attitude in ourselves, we need to confess it to God as a sin. The rich young man would have to see his need before he could be helped. Notice, however, that even this problem is not too big for God. He has always ways of getting the attention of even the proud and self-sufficient. Then God can change our attitude before they keep us from the receiving the treasure he longs to give us. Amen. Now the reading about Jesus predicting his death. Verse 32. They were now on the way to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. 
the disciples were filled with dread and the people falling behind were overwhelmed with fear. Taking the twelve disciples aside, Jesus once more began to describe anything that was about to happen, everything, to him in Jerusalem. When we get to Jerusalem, he told them, the Son of Man will be betrayed to the leading priests and teachers of the religious law. They will send him to die and hand him over to the Romans. They will mock him and spit on him, beat him with their whips and kill him. But after three days, he will rise again. <clears throat> then James and John, the son of Zebedee, came over and spoke to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do us a favor. What is it, he asked. In your glorious kingdom, we want to sit in places of honor next to you, they said. One at your right and the other at your left. But Jesus answered, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of sorrow I am about to drink? Are you able to be baptized with the baptism of suffering I must be baptized with? Oh, yes, they said, we are able. Then Jesus said, you will indeed drink from the cup and be baptized with my baptism, but I have no right to say who will sit on the thrones next to mine. God has prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. When, when the ten other disciples discovered what James and John had asked, they were indignant. So Jesus called them together and said, You know that, this, that in this world kings are tyrants and officials lorded over the people beneath them. But among you, it should be quite different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be your first must be the slave of all. For even I, the Son of Man, came here not to be served, but to serve others and to give my life as a ransom for many. Note. It's interesting to see right here that that when they said, oh, yes, we're able to drink from the cup, he actually tells them, are you able to go to the cross and die for the sins of the world? That was Jesus' assigned cup. Oh, and they said, oh, yes, they were able. And it's interesting how he sees, you will indeed drink from the cup and be baptized with my baptism through the Holy Spirit, through my resurrection, but I have no right to sit on the thrones. So it is awesome that if that we have, we do have the right, you know, to be thoroughly righteous, thoroughly sanctified, thoroughly redeemed, and thoroughly wise in Christ Jesus because of what his achievements on the cross. Amen. Jesus heals blind Bartimaeus. And so they reached Jericho later as Jesus and his disciples left town. A great crowd was following a blind beggar named Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus was sitting beside the road as Jesus was going by. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus from Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, some of the people yelled at him, but he only shouted louder. Son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, Tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. 
Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus? What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked. Teacher, the blind man said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your fate has healed you. And instantly the blind man could see. Then he followed Jesus down the road. Amen. Faith brings recovery of sight to blind Bartimaeus. He had to persevere in faith despite the initial opposition he was experiencing from Jesus' followers. In that day, blindness was thought to be a divine curse for sin. But Jesus refused this notion by both word and deed. We sometimes face opposition to our spiritual growth. Sometimes those who claim to be God's people reject us and make us feel unwelcome. Because we are enslaved by our sins. Even when rejected by others, we can be sure that Jesus will never turn us away. We should persevere as Bartimaeus did, knowing that Jesus has the power both to help us overcome the sins that enslaves us and to heal us. Amen. That was the reading of chapter 10. Greetings, family. Today we're going to be reading Limitless Love, February 11th and February the 12th. These are both by Gloria Copeland. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord God, that we acknowledge you. We seek to acknowledge you, Lord. We ask you to open the heavens and pour us down your word for us today, Lord God. Create in us, Lord God, a desire to know thee and seek thee and break open the heavens, Lord and establish a purpose in our lives in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Look into the mirror. I thank my God always making mention you in my prayers because I hear of your love and the faith which you have towards the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. And I pray that the fellowship of your faith may become effective through the knowledge of every good thing which is in you for Christ's sake. Philemon 4 through 6. I thank my God always, making mention of you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and of the faith which you have towards the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. And I pray that the fellowship of your faith may become effective through the knowledge of every good thing which is in you for Christ's sake. Amen. Excuse me. There's the neighbor's cat again. When it comes to love, peace, joy, or any other quality of the fruit of the Spirit, we can rest assured that regardless of our own fleshly tendencies or past personality traits, we constantly have the fruit of the Spirit resident within us. That's because we made Jesus our Lord. We were born again in His image. We become partakers of His divine nature, 2 Peter 1, 2 and 4. Do you want to see what your reborn spiritual nature is actually like? Don't examine your past behavior. Investigate the nature of God. Use the Bible like a mirror. Look at God's character revealed there and acknowledge by faith that His character is in you. God is loving by nature. The Bible says God is love, 1 John 4, 8. God is joyful by nature. The Bible says 
In thy presence is fullness of joy. Psalm 1611. God is good by nature. The Bible says that the Lord is abundant in goodness. Exodus 34, 6. And good to all. Psalm 145, 9. God is peaceful by nature. The Bible calls him the God of peace. Philippians 4, 9. God is patient by nature. Numbers 14, 18 says, The Lord is long-suffering, patient, and of great mercy. God is gentle by nature. King David said to him, Thy gentleness hath made me great. Psalms 18.35 God is faithful by nature. Psalms 119.90 says, Thy faithfulness is unto all generations. God is meek by nature. Jesus, who is exactly like the Father, said, I am meek. Matthew 11.29 I don't have a scripture for it, but I know God is temperate by nature. If he weren't, he have wiped us all out by now. Truly, our God is wonderful, and he has put his own wonderfulness in us. Sometimes that's tough for us to believe. Yet, to walk in all that he has given us is exactly what we must do. We can start by obeying Philemon 6 and acknowledge every good thing that is in us in Christ Jesus. We can boldly open our mouth and dare to say, The love of God is in me. The faithfulness of God is in me. The gentleness of God is in me. As we grow confident in God's nature in us, we'll see that nature coming out and we'll grow into whom we're truly been made to be. Amen. And now we go to uh, Limitless Love, Let the Rivers Flow. Ephesians 5, 17 and 19 say, Wherefore be you not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine, wherein in excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to your heart to the Lord. Ephesians chapter 5, 17 through 19. Wherefore be you not unwise, but understanding that the, what the will of the Lord is, and be not drunk with wine, wherein in excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. In times of pressure or trouble, it's not enough for us just to have the fruit of the Spirit residing like a well of water within us. Waiting for us to draw it out, we need it gushed up with the force of a fountain. We need it rushing forward like a flood to push back the devil's attack and propel us to a place of victory. All these times we need his spirit within us to be, as Jesus said, like rivers of living water flowing out of our hearts. John 7:38. We must do more than just contain the spirit of God. We must be filled with him. Although the Bible teaches we are baptized in the Holy Spirit only once, we can be filled with him many times. In fact, the literal Greek translation of Ephesians 5.18 says, Be being filled with the Spirit, or being continually and repeatedly filled. Such fresh feelings come when we spend time in fellowship with the Lord, by reading or hearing the Word, praying, worshiping, and singing praises to Him. When we do that, the nature of God inside us is powerfully energized. The love, peace, and joy residing quietly within us brings 
begins to burst forth in an overflow that pushes every hindrance out of the way. Think about that for the negative perspective. And you'll see even more clearly what I mean. Imagine a person who hasn't been born again. He has a sinful nature within him. So he naturally and frequently sins. But when a dynamic spirit moves in on him, suddenly his sinful nature is more energized. That spirit puts extra force behind the person's sinful flesh and pushes him more fully into sin. The same thing happens to us in reverse when we actively commune with the Holy Spirit. When we freshly fill with Him, He joins with us and becomes our helper and our strengthener. He invigorates our righteousness nature and gives us a supernatural boost so that God's character not only abides but abounds in us. Don't wait until trouble comes to get the fresh feeling. Abound in advance by starting every day with a time of fellowship worship and praise then when the devil comes dragging it to burden you with his loads of cares he will be able to get near you the force of that river of life flowing from your innermost being will drive him back and you'll hardly even know he was there all right now let me think about this let's let me reread one paragraph it says think about it from the negative perspective and you'll see even more clearly what i mean okay let me move let me move up such fresh feelings come when we spend time in fellowship with the lord by reading or hearing the word praying worshiping and singing praises to him when we do that the nature of god inside us is powerfully energized the love, peace, and joy residing quietly within us begins to burst forth in an overflow that pushes every hindrance out of the way. You know, my experience this morning is uh, I worked in volunteering work last night, late Friday night, and uh, I make coffee for the group. I make, uh, and sometimes I make it too strong, but when I tested it, then I get caught drinking a cup, and again, it woke me up about 11.50 last night I woke up. So I was up for about a couple of hours and I read a couple of chapters of John. And finally, I was able to go to sleep in my recliner. See if I can... Anyway, uh, the point I'm making is uh, I, I got up in the morning and I, I looked at a verse... It's really interesting. There's a verse uh, in Hosea 6, 4 that says, Let us acknowledge the Lord. Let us press on to acknowledge Him. Twice it says acknowledge the Lord. And He will come to us like the spring and the winter, winter rains. So I, I, what I did is I took that receipt. Let's call the scripture a receipt. I took that receipt and I took it to heaven. I said, look, Lord, I'm doing all this effort of memorizing and speaking this verse on this side of the earth. So I'm bringing you a receipt. The receipt is uh, Isaiah 6.4. That I am going to acknowledge you and burst forth. Burst forward. It's, in other words, burst through in prayer or burst through in meditation and wait on the Lord. I didn't think that verse was going to kick in for me. It would give me some extraordinary strength because I didn't sleep all that well. So I meditated because when the sun comes up in the morning, 
it comes over my kitchen window and it hits it beautifully comes in the sun from the east I wish more of the house did that but that's the only place where the the, the light comes in really nice and it shines on that scripture that I have in the kitchen you know it just lights up the uh, the beautiful tile in the background and just uh, just looks beautiful and then I read that scripture in the morning. I have it right in front of my stove burner where the scripture can talk to me. Where I'm usually at, hanging around. So I put that receipt in heaven. And before you know it, I started singing songs. I put my walking shoes. I went out for an hour walk, praising and thanking God. Picking up uh, somebody threw some pictures out there. Trash. I picked it up, threw it away, and I... And I noticed that it had a pic pictures of, of uh, you know, sports cards and so forth. Anyway, I had a little fun going out there and getting some exercise and coming back in. The point I'm making is that we have a treasure in those meetings. <laughs> there is a point to all this. And the treasure has never offered me any money. And I've been doing coffee for a long time, you know. Everybody, the pizza guy gets paid. This guy gets paid. And there was a uh, real estate agent coming, and he bought pizza for one week, another week, and he didn't, he didn't get this money. And I kept asking him. I said, hey, uh, did you get last week your receipt, your receipt? And he was not turning in his receipt. So I told the treasurer, I said, hey, well, Tim, we owe him. And, and he snaps at me, the treasurer, and says, well, he's got to put in a receipt. And I love the guy that snapped at me. And uh, I thought about what he said. And I and I took it. I thought, God, that's us here in this world. We're doing all this work, all this work. And we're expecting God to see our work. And, to, uh, and we're not putting a receipt in the heaven. So my receipt this morning was uh, Mike uh, Hosea 6-4. I, I put that receipt into heaven. I said, Lord, I'm pushing this receipt. And I believe in the Old Testament, it says, the Lord says, command you me, command you me, command me by my word. Folks, I heard other pastors, uh, Wigglesworth and uh, many other pastors say that we need to put a receipt into heaven. It's a beautiful revelation. It's one that can get us... Uh, happy joyous and free let's try that meditate 15 10 minutes five minutes whatever it is on a certain scripture that acknowledges the lord let's do hosea 6 4 because jesus answers into answers everything jesus answers everything okay what i needed was not a new car what i needed was joy and laughter and exercise you know god's not going to bless me with a car to sit my butt off and put a hundred thousand miles on it and destroy my health by not getting off and walking in the sun you know and that's my prayer god i don't know how to run my life i need your help i need to acknowledge you i need to press on and acknowledge you that and then it says surely Surely the Lord will come like the latter rain and the spring rains. He will refresh us, refresh us. Amen. And that's what you're hearing now. I am refreshed. 
May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his counts on you and give you peace and establish you in every great way. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen.